Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Finally have some sports to talk about, in a sense, with the NFL draft starting tonight and uh, running over the next few days here. So no Arkansas Razorbacks projected to go in the first round, but we're going to talk about the draft some of where Arkansas players are projected to go. We're also going to take a look at ESPN's FPI as they have broken down each game for Arkansas by percentage. So we'll take a look at that and got some recruiting stuff to talk about as well. All that more on Hogsports Live. Before we get started, I want to remind you, of course, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen, always streaming on Facebook Live. Be sure to follow the page if you haven't done so already. We're almost up to 80,000 followers, so follow the page on Facebook Live if you haven't done so, and throw us a thumbs up if you like the content. Also available on YouTube, where you can subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload a new video. Throw us a thumbs up if you like the content there. Also on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review from you, and you can find us basically anywhere you search for for your favorite podcast. Also, 50% off right now at Hog Sports. 50% off the annual rate for a limited time, or you can sign up for just $1 for your first month. But I encourage you to take advantage of that deal. Uh, it's, a, it's certainly a good one. All right, now let's jump into it. So first off with the draft, okay? So... There's a lot of outlets that have predicted where people are going to go and stuff. It's never, I mean, it's somewhat accurate, but, you know, especially when you get down to the latter part of the draft, it's never really that accurate. So McTelvin Aguim is probably the guy that's most often projected fourth round. Uh, I've seen him as far as six. Uh, Matt Miller out of Bleacher Report doesn't have him ranked at all. So I've seen DraftWire, CBS Sports, uh, Chad Reuter, Walter Football, and MSN – all have him going fourth, fifth, or sixth round, okay? So that's pretty good projection. I mean, that's that's a pretty good bet that McTelvin's going to be drafted. Cameron Curl, right now I see him fifth round on one, seventh round on one, and really haven't seen him projected anywhere else. That's the Arkansas defensive back, safety, who declared early. Ran a 4-6-0 at the 40, or in the 40 at the combine, and we'll go over some, some of those combine numbers again just for kind of a refresher. Scooter Harris, Dijon Harris, WalterFootball.com has him as seventh-round pick to the New York Giants. It's looking most likely that Dijon is going to end up being um, a free agent, if I had to guess. C.J. O'Grady, not drafted to seventh round, somewhere around there. Like three different outlets have him going in the seventh round. And that's kind of, you know, just a situation with C.J. being kicked off the team, C.J. having a bunch of off-field trouble throughout his career some questions about attitude, that kind of stuff. So, you know, he's a guy with talent to be drafted probably inside the top four rounds, maybe three. But when you factor in all that other stuff, it just kind of makes him a late-round flyer. So that's where pretty much and nobody else is being projected to be drafted. Now, we'll have a a long rundown if you want to follow the next few days. We'll be making sure we update you on free agent signees, 
be making sure you we update you when players are drafted. So you want to stay tuned to hogsports.com for all that information. So McTelvin, I mean, he ran a 4.98 in the 40, which is a pretty good measurement. Cameron Curl, I mentioned, ran a 4.60. Uh, Dijon ran a 4.69, which isn't awful. It's not – it doesn't just like wow you, but it's, it's you know, it's it's okay. Uh, and then what did O'Grady run, like a 4.7 something? I can't remember exactly. But, um, you know, there's not – there's just not – there hasn't been like high draft picks <laughs> from Arkansas in a while except for like Frank Ragnall, um, Hunter Henry. Let's see. I want to go over that a little bit, and I can't remember where I, I put it. But if you look at the players that were drafted in the first round from different schools, Arkansas is not in there. But a, a, a big reason that Arkansas is not in there is because there's been this like ten, there was this decade gap between 2008 with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones, all the way to Frank Ragnow in 2018. So the schools with the I'll go ahead and read you. There's So the, the top schools that have had first-round draft picks have been Texas A&M, UCLA, both with 35, and then you scroll all the way down to the number one school. Who is it? It's Penn State and USC. No, yeah, it's USC with 81 and Ohio State with 81. Those are the most first-round draft picks all time. Arkansas is 22nd, but again, 10 straight years a gap without a first-round draft pick. So the last first-round draft pick for Arkansas was Frank Ragnow, who went 20th overall in 2018. Before that, it was Darren McFadden in 08. And I guess the last one before that really was Felix Jones since he went 22 and McFadden went 4th. Jamal Anderson went 8th overall in 2007. Matt Jones went 21st overall in 2005. Batman Carroll, 25th in 2004. Sean Andrews, 16th in 2004. I mean, look at that stretch. 2004, 2, 2005, 1, 2007, 1, 2008, 2. You had six over just that little short four-year period, five-year period, but six. Or is it seven? So you had two, eight, seven. Oh, you didn't have one in six. Yeah. Um, and you go all the way back, and there's this other gap from 2004 to 1994, another 10-year gap without a first-round pick. You go from Henry Ford in 94 to Sean Andrews in 2004. Steve Atwater in 89. There's another big gap, five-year gap. Wayne Martin also in 89. Ron Farratt in 1984. Billy Ray Smith in 83. Gary Anderson in 83. Dan Hampton in 79. Steve Little in 78. Lloyd Phillips in 67. Harry Jones, that's another big gap. There's an 11-year gap between Steve Little and Lloyd Phillips, 67 to 78. Lance Allworth in 62. Preston Carpenter in 56. Lamar McCann in 54. Clyde Scott in 48. I think we've gone pretty far enough. You've had a lot of second-rounders, though. I mean, a good number of second-rounders, third-rounders, especially fourth-round. Fourth-round has been a very popular round, fourth and fifth. And sixth and seventh. And they get, you know, a long time ago, it went all the way to 29. <laughs> Paul Palladio. Palladino. I may have never read that name before. 1944 Razorback. 29th round pick. 
All right, I want to go into ESPNs, and I also I'll remind you, get your questions in. It's just going to be me and you today, so get your questions in. I'm going to go about 42 minutes. I, I keep saying that, and I'll go like 50, but I find if I go over that time, 42, and it's just me talking without a break, without anybody else to interject like Danny or Pete or anybody, then I start to get a little worn down at the end, just kind of dragging. <laughs> so I'm going to try to cut it off a little bit, stick to that 42 or so, 40, 42 minutes. All right, so ESPN FBI ranks Arkansas and predicts every 2020 game. Now, there's some interesting things on this. First of all, Arkansas is – what are they ranked? 50 – I think it's like 57. But they were 91st last year. They're 59th out of 130 school, and they finished 91st last year. Okay, so the Nevada game, Arkansas is actually an 83% chance of winning. Nevada's 96 in the FPI, and Arkansas gets an 83% chance of winning. That's pretty good. Notre Dame the following week, week two. And, again, in before someone says, yeah, if they play a 2020 schedule, it's like everything I write. I mean, obviously, we don't know if there's going to be a football season. We're hoping. But it seems like everything I write, somebody chimes in, yeah, if they play in 2020. Okay, we get it. There's a coronavirus outbreak. Mississippi State, okay, so Notre Dame is gives Arkansas a 9.7% chance of winning. Mississippi State, this is Arkansas's first SEC road game, and it has been a long time since Arkansas has played, has opened the SEC slate with a home game or not at a neutral site. A long time. Seventh straight year. This will be the seventh straight year. The Hogs were at Auburn in 2014. They played in Arlington in 15, 16, 17. They're back on the road at Auburn in 2018. Last year it was Ole Miss, and this year it's Mississippi State. All road or neutral site games to open the SEC slate time after time. And I'm guessing, let's see, 2014 at Auburn, they lost that game. They've lost all these Texas A&M games. They lost at Auburn in 18. And they lost at Ole Miss. They say they lose all of them. <laughs> I mean, so hopefully the streak will end. But Arkansas gets against Mississippi State a 47.4% chance of winning. So it's not a, exactly a coin toss, but that's pretty good, especially when you consider it's a road game. Mississippi State's 72 in the FPI. So Arkansas is 59. So they're actually higher, but you have to factor in the road game. So that's pretty good. So there's one SEC game, one SEC game that Arkansas – basically has a 50-50 chance uh, according to the FPI. Texas A&M, September 26th. At Texas A&M's 15 in the FPI, and Arkansas gets a 13.2% chance of winning. So not very good odds for Arkansas, which has lost eight in a row to Texas A&M. And it's a little bit surprising just because Arkansas has played them pretty well. They probably played their best game against Texas A&M. They had a chance to win at the end. They couldn't put it in the end zone, lost 31-27. That was probably their best effort of the season. But the last three games, I believe, have been decided by six points, an average of six points, all in the favor of Texas A&M. A lot of close games. So out of those eight, five of them were inside of a touchdown. That's a tough beat right there. Charleston Southern, Arkansas predicted to win 98.8% chance. 2.2% chance for Charleston Southern to come into Fayetteville and knock off Arkansas. 
Alabama, not much of a shot. 4.7% chance for Arkansas to welcome Alabama into Fayetteville. Now, Arkansas has, played, they, Arkansas has lost 11 in a row, 12 in a row really, but Alabama had to forfeit the 2007 game, the game where McFadden came out, had concussion-like symptoms, wasn't in there on Arkansas's final drive, or they would ice the game probably. And Alabama ends up winning it. Go back several years after that. Uh, look, Alabama has cheated. They had to forfeit the game. Alabama's forfeited like three games. They vacated one win and forfeited two. So this is crazy, but like for young Razorback fans, you may not realize this, but before Nick Saban got to Arkansas, Arkansas and Alabama were 8-8 eight and eight in the series. 8-8. Eight and eight. And they've lost technically 12 years in a row, according to the NCAA. 11 years in a row because of that forfeited win. Alabama's third in the FBI, by the way. This is part of a brutal stretch for Arkansas because LSU is next on October 17th. LSU is given a 91.4% chance of beating Arkansas in Fayetteville, 8.6% chance for Arkansas to win that game. Tennessee, October 31st, Halloween, in Fayetteville. After a bye week, Arkansas gets a 45.6% chance to win this game. So this is the second kind of toss-up game. Mississippi, or excuse me, Tennessee's favored, but Arkansas gets a decent chance to win. So that's two SEC games that they have a reasonable chance at winning according to the ESPN FPI, Football Power Index. Arkansas, Tennessee has the distinction, by the way, of being being the only team in the SEC that is coming off back-to-back losses to Arkansas, 2011 and 2015. 49-7 in Fayetteville in 2011, Arkansas beat them. And then 24-20 in Knoxville in 2015, they shocked them there. I think uh, Kamara ran back the opening kickoff for a touchdown in that game. And then Arkansas and then Tennessee just couldn't do anything. So that's two games that Arkansas has a shot to win. Ten- Tennessee is also one of two teams in the SEC that have that lost to Arkansas the last time they played them. Florida is the other one, Tennessee and Florida. So that's two SEC games that Arkansas gets a shot at. FBI, rank- FBI ranking of 36. And I'm going to say this about Tennessee. I mean, it was looking rough for them last year. They started off 2-5. and five. They opened the season with a 38-30 loss to Georgia State. And you're just thinking, wow, Tennessee's the team that's going to end up firing their coach midseason. Arkansas ended up being that. Uh, but they finished 6-0. They had a really – I mean, it's a pretty soft schedule, pretty soft second half of the schedule. But they ended up eight, eight wins last year. Auburn. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Auburn's rank is nine. Arkansas's chances of beating Auburn are 6.1%. That's not very good. That's on the road in Auburn. I won't be going to that game just because you cannot cover a game from that press box. Auburn used to have a great press box, and I'm not saying it should be like right in the middle of the field where you're looking down where it was, which is great. But they took it. They built the cheapest building they could possibly put together. I mean, you should see the materials inside this building. And they stacked it up on the side of their stadium right behind the big screen so you can't watch replays and you're in the end zone. It's just it's a it's a bad vantage point trying to cover a game. Plus it's so difficult to get there. You have to fly in, you got to drive. I usually fly into Atlanta. It's a couple hour drive. You can fly into Montgomery, you can fly into Birmingham, but you got to drive a good bit every single time. Deal with getting a rental car. Just not a fan of that trip. And then they they've done this with the press box, which is super annoying. So Arkansas doesn't have much of a chance, according to this, of beating Auburn on the road. I think I would probably agree with that. You know, there was just kind of a feud. This is this is what's crazy about the series, too, okay? So Arkansas and Auburn also used to be neck and neck. In the SEC, in SEC play alone, it was 10-10-1 since 1992. 11-10-1 overall. Auburn had another win. Uh, but now, you know, it's suddenly 17-11-1. And, you know, Brett Bielema and Gus Malzahn had a little bit of a feud going. Mainly it was Brett Bielema, you know, jabbing at Gus Malzahn over different things. It was kind of weird. Um, Malzahn beat Bielema 56-3 in 2016. That was a game where I think a lot of Arkansas fans felt like, hey, Arkansas is being undervalued here. And they just got humiliated. That was the worst game. I, I say that. That was the worst game to that point for Bielema. I think, even with the Toledo game. So the next year, Auburn comes to Fayetteville. Arkansas spends like two weeks trying to implement a hurry-up, no-huddle offense to go against Auburn, which made no sense at all, and lost 52-20. to 20. Really wasn't that close. I believe Devion Warren had a late touchdown return off kickoff return. 52-20. to 20. And that was kind of started the, the motion for, for Bielema to be fired at Arkansas. He wasn't any friendlier. I mean, he didn't like Brett. Gus didn't. He wasn't any friendlier to Chad. They won 34-3 to in 2018 and last year 51-10. to And that, again, was a game where everybody's like, all right, this – I mean, there's, these guys aren't even showing up. They don't even care. Maybe time for this guy to go. And now fast forward, and Chad Morris is the offensive coordinator at Auburn. Ole Miss, November 14th. FBI ranking for Ole Miss is 38. That's pretty high. But they have to come to Fayetteville. And considering that, Arkansas's chances of winning are 42.1%, according to the FBI. Again, not 50-50, but... That's a fighting chance, according to this. So that's three games in the SEC right now that they would give Arkansas a fighting chance to win. So, 
The last time Arkansas played Ole Miss at home, it was in Little Rock, actually. It was a 37-33 loss for Arkansas. Probably their best effort of the season in that one. At the point, I mean, they played LSU to within a touchdown. Really, LSU was kind of – LSU could have punched another one in there at the end, but that was probably their best effort in 2018. Didn't play very well last year. Played the wrong quarterback really starting out. That was Starkle's best game. And he didn't really know. What's crazy about that is Starkle's best game was Ole Miss, probably. And he didn't really know the ins and outs of the offense yet. Louisiana Monroe, the next week, Arkansas, an 89.2% chance of winning that one, as you would hope. But, I mean, based on Chad Moore, and Arkansas is going to be better. And I've said this before, like, you know, we can talk about all the rebuilding that Arkansas has to do and, and all this stuff. But the fact of the matter is that roster was not a 2-10 roster. Chad Morris wasn't working with a 2-10 roster. He wasn't working with worse talent than Western Kentucky or Colorado State or North Texas or San Jose State. He wasn't working with worse talent than those guys. But they just get annihilated and you're going to tell me that it's a I'm, – I'm not going to get worked up. But you get annihilated and you tell me it's not an overnight rebuild. What about two years of crap? I mean, did I mention I was back with a quarantine stash? I don't guess I have to mention, but if you're a first-time watcher, I usually don't rock it. I usually don't rock the stash, but I've been doing the quarantine stash like three weeks, I guess. Missouri. Missouri. Missouri's FPI is 55. Arkansas gets a 46.6% chance of beating Missouri. Another, that's four now. That's half the SEC games that they play. The ESPN FBI gives Arkansas a fighting chance. This one's going to be played in Arrowhead. Arkansas has a couple of things working in their favor, I think. Now, Barry Odom beat Arkansas four years in a row as the head coach and was fired last year. Last three years, seven and six, eight and five, six and six, fired so they could hire Eli Drinkwitz. I don't, I don't know about that. And paying four million dollars. So they also have Brad Davis, the offensive line coach for Mizzou last year, and Sam Carter, who was a grad assistant now Arkansas cornerbacks coach. ESPN's FPI ranking of Missouri is fifty-five, and again, forty-six point four six percent. So they give them a strong chance at winning, like about 90% or more, 89 to 90% or more in three of the four non-conference games. Obviously, Notre Dame, they're picked to lose that one. So those three games and then a fighting chance in four SEC games, right? Not bad. That's seven. So if Arkansas gets extremely lucky, which they are due a lot of luck, Arkansas, if a team has been due to get lucky, it's Arkansas. So if they have 50%-ish chances in four of those SEC games and they win their other three, so that tells you me that, you know, the ceiling is seven games for Arkansas. ESPN projected five at the end of it, five to seven games for Arkansas. I do, I'm on record saying Arkansas will win an SEC game next year if football's played. They will win an SEC game next year, at least one, maybe two. I'd be pressed to go over two. But, hey, 
I think a lot of Arkansas fans, just based on what I've said, would be fine with five wins. We'd be like, okay, five wins. It's a big step in the right direction. Although you know if you got to five wins and you say, you know, you've got one more game to play, you go to Arrowhead to play Missouri Friday after Thanksgiving, which that hasn't been announced yet, you know you'd be really disappointed if they lost that game and go five in a row against Missouri losing. So that's the ESPN FBI. I thought that was a, a fun breakdown. You can look at all of that. There's a, a long breakdown I did on Hog Sports, just kind of my thoughts on the history of the series. Is, um, you know, I dive into all that stuff with each of the teams. So Arkansas's offense, um, their install is actually going pretty well in terms of book study. Now, they're not able to go out on the field and run the plays or see which plays are working the best or which players are working the best. There's obviously the absence of Felipe Franks being able to like glance over at Traylon Burks, give him a little look, right? Or the rhythm that you establish from throwing the ball with your receivers in practice. And, you know, that stuff just develops throughout camp. Usually we see you know, if everything's equal, the defense usually gets ahead of the offense because the offense is so rhythm and timing based. And so you're losing a lot of that. And that's that's kind of scary. Kendall Browse has yet to see Felipe Franks throw a pass in person. The NCAA rules, the way they're structured, they prohibit that in the offseason. So he's yet to see him throw a pass. That's quite telling. So they're able – the hope is I think that everybody has the, the playbook digested so well, and they're over 30%, guys. They're over 30% of install. But the hope is they get the the offense digested so well that it's just a few things like, hey, I want you a little bit closer or, you know, off the numbers or, you know, no, not like this, just a little like this. But they know where they're supposed to be, where they're supposed to line up, and they can just kind of go. That would be the hope. I mean, I kind of look at things like, what can we get better at, right? We can't go out there and practice. What can we get better at? Really knowing the ins and outs. I mean, I look at, like, with my daughter, like, you know, she's going through school and I'm helping, you know, with my wife with her schoolwork, which is, it's difficult to get through all the little, the apps and stuff. But I'm also thinking, like, what else could she get better at? Because she's done well before she would have been done in a normal school day, you know, and, like, she's outside playing right now. So I'm thinking, like, all right, let's get something going on Spanish. You know, um, we have a keyboard, we have an app, you know, we've got a program, let's learn to play the piano. Those kinds of things, you know, those are the things that she can get better at. And I think it's the same way with anything, with this. What can you get better at while you're not able to be out on the field? Arkansas, by the way, today is Thursday. Today would have been 14, 14 practices of the 15 allotted, and we'd be getting ready for the red-white scrimmage tomorrow. No, the day after tomorrow. Today's not Friday. Saturday. We'd be getting ready for the red-white scrimmage to wrap this whole thing up. For defense, it's kind of the same way. And also, i got to mention this on offense. With the offensive line, they're taking things really, really slow, really making sure the players understand the scheme and everything that they want to get done. The thing that I remember about Brett Bielema's offensive line was just how under control they played. Like, they didn't look like they were just, like, flailing around. They always just looked like control, like, here I'm supposed to be, boom, block. But they're really going over a lot of that stuff and taking it very slow. Now, on the defense, 
the defensive install is also ahead of pace, but, it, you know, they run into the same problem. But they feel really good about, you know, where they are in terms of installing things. The things with the defense that you've got to consider is what works best for us? What is the personnel grouping that works best for us? You might think that you've got a lot of safeties, so maybe we need to, you know, have a defense out there on the field mostly that uses a lot of safeties and hybrids. But if you're in practice, you might say, well, you know what, we're better on the defensive line than I thought we were. Maybe we need more defensive linemen out on the field. So there's all kinds of questions like that. But again, you can get into the playbook, you can understand the ins and outs, and just be very well rehearsed in it. Switching gears a little bit, Arkansas picked up a commitment from offensive lineman Cole Carlson. Carlson, And he is um, out of Bogota, Texas, which is the smallest, that's the smallest school uh, playing 11-man football. It's 2A in Texas. Had offers from Ole Miss, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Baylor, Mississippi State, Arizona, Iowa State, Texas Tech, TCU, Duke, Utah, and Colorado was the last school to offer him. Number 47th ranked offensive tackle prospect in the country. Number 128 overall regardless of position in the state of Texas. So that's two offensive linemen that they have committed right now. 6'5", 285. This guy can add some weight. I mean, he doesn't look like – I mean, in pads he looks great. But you can tell, you know, just from the pictures of him that he's got plenty of room to stack on some weight. You can see him well over 300 pounds in a short amount of time. Most likely a right tackle or a guard, a guy that's very aggressive. Probably Terry Wells more likely to be your your left tackle. So Arkansas has, I believe that's five commitments in the class. And that's, you know, it's it feels like – I think Arkansas is being hurt a little bit in recruiting because they are more remote and they have a new staff. So you have guys that were sophomores previously or juniors now and will be seniors – but they, you know, they took a lot of visits last year. They've visited coaching staffs and schools. And this deal, I'll tell you what really hurt is that February, that this is the year that they implemented the February dead period. So the entire month, excuse me, the entire month of February was a dead period. And typically that's a huge, you know, amount of time for, for junior days. So you lost out on that. And then March hits, you have one junior day and – there's a pandemic, and you're not allowed to host host recruits. They they make it a uh, a quiet period, a dead period, I guess. Yeah, no on or off campus visitation. So that hurts Arkansas, in my opinion, because you have to get them on campus. Arkansas is back to back two wins. They got a new coaching staff. It's not like Auburn, where they might have to go an hour away to Lagrange, Georgia. You know. So Arkansas right now has Terry Wells, 6'4", 292, projected, I think, a left tackle. Cole Carson, 6'5", 285, right tackle, guard. Marco Avant, 6'2", 212. And Avant's, you know, he's a guy, like some of these guys needed to get to camp. You know, this was probably, we'll probably have the most inaccurate rankings because we didn't have all the camps and stuff where these guys could have come and to the opening and get observed and stuff. Landon Rogers is another guy. Looks fantastic at 6'4", 215. Decent numbers. Younger guy. I want to see a 40 time on him. We don't have it. You know, same deal with Avant. So, four guys are committed. I think I said five a minute ago, but it's four. 
Switching over to basketball, Arkansas bringing in the number six ranked recruiting class in the country. Everyone has signed, including the two grad transfers. Arkansas, Brian Snow, one of our national basketball writers, was breaking down which schools benefited the most. And I'm gonna and it, the, the reason it's a good story because it really breaks down the two grad transfers that they got in Jalen Tate and Vance Jackson. But Louisville benefited, USC Trojans, Minnesota, Golden Gophers, Arizona State Sun Devils, Nebraska Cornhuskers, Ohio State Buckeyes, and Arkansas Razorbacks are the, some of the schools that are mentioned. I'll, I'll tell you what Brian Snow has to say here on Jalen Tate and Vance Jackson. As always, Razorbacks head coach Eric Musselman is going hard after the transfer market. Musselman made his mark at Nevada on the strength of transfers, and clearly he is looking to keep that going at Arkansas. So far, Musselman has added a great pair of graduate transfers. Tate is a do-it-all wing guard who handles the ball, attacks the rim, sets up teammates, and also really guards. While he isn't a three while he isn't a threat beyond the three-point line, Tate can impact the game in a variety of ways. He isn't the most physical kid, but he really defends, shows great instincts on that end of the floor, and is also productive on offense. He plays within himself and does all the little things that coaches want. Jalen Tate, projected starter at point guard at 6'6", a guy that you hope can be a lockdown type of defender. And then Vance Jackson is a stretch four, stretch forward it says, who should provide three-point shooting. He's a good three-point shooter. He's long at 6'9". Also a solid athlete, Jackson is capable of being a solid defender, though he has never shown it in his time in college. If Jackson gets his motor running a little better, his ability to stretch the floor should make him a weapon in Musselman's offense. Jackson has to defend, or he won't play that much. I mean, they've got other guys. I mean, this is going to be a battle, and there's been so much talk on the Razor's Edge Premium Forum, our, our VIP message board, about how they're going to keep everybody happy and distribute minutes. I still expect mainly eight guys to play. They're going to be five guys on this roster out of the 13 scholarship players are going to be disappointed in their minutes. It's just the way it works out. It's not going to be where everybody's going to get, you know, you're going to get 15, you're going to get 15, you're going to get 15. You know, there's going to be some guys that are averaging five or less that, you know, players that you think would have contributed and maybe other years like this year. It's just going to be a deeper team. Nine new players on this roster, depending on what happens with Isaiah Joe, which we think he probably end up coming back. Mason Jones most likely gone. Ole Miss is also mentioned. Oregon Ducks, Cincinnati Bearcats are other schools that benefit in the transfer portal. Teams and conferences set to own first round of the NFL draft, the SEC Western Division. LSU and Alabama are going to do very well. There's a lot of players from both those schools. Joe Burrow from LSU, Derek Brown of Auburn also, Jerry Judy of Alabama, Alabama's Jedrick Willis, Wills, excuse me, offensive tackle, Tua Tungavailoa, Alabama quarterback, Calabion Chason of LSU, Henry Ruggs, speed demon out of Alabama, Justin Jefferson out of LSU, all very strong bets to be first-round draft picks. Then you've got Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown out of Auburn, Xavier McKinley out of Alabama, Isaiah Simmons out of Alabama, Patrick Queen out of LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, Christian Fulton out of LSU, Grant Delpit of LSU. Those are all just the Western Division 
So Auburn, LSU, Alabama, the only schools being mentioned as possibilities for first round. LSU has three locks. Alabama has four locks. LSU has three strong possibilities for round one, while Alabama has two. SEC West alone could have 11 or 12 picks in the first round. Pretty impressive. When you compare the next the next conference is the Big Ten as a whole. The Big Ten as a whole with six. SEC West, possible 12. Big Ten as a whole, possibly six. Next topic. This is always fun. Players expected to bust, or potential for bust, I should say. Not expected, but potential bust in this NFL draft. And I always find it interesting. You know, it always – it didn't bug me. It just kind of annoyed me a little bit with, with Bielema. And, I, again, I like Brett a lot of his – you know, I like Brett a lot of his quality. Not necessarily everything that he did on the football team. But, you know, like a lot of people, I think, you know, he'd be a, a good friend, a good buddy to have. <laughs> uh, but – he always took every chance he had to take a dig at recruiting rankings, and it was largely because his recruiting classes weren't dramatically highly ranked, and he took exception to it. And the fact of the matter is, half of the players that you recruit, for the most for most schools, and that's in the average, half of them aren't going to pan out. Recruiting is difficult. You don't know how kids are going to handle college. So, And on top of that, like Arkansas's recruiting list when – things started out would be all four and five stars. You know, they wouldn't end up getting all those guys. Usually they have a really good start to the class and a really rough finish under Bielema. But that always that just kind of annoyed me a little, always taking a shot at recruiting rankings. What do they know? And the fact is that they it actually bears out that they, they know more and they do a better job than Brett did at Arkansas. And these guys do a lot of work. Gabe Brooks, Steve Wiltfong, all those guys at 24-7, Barton Simmons do a fantastic job and get out and see these kids and and watch the tape, see them at camp, see them playing games. It's a very educated opinion. for So for anybody to take a slight at it, like these guys don't know what they're talking about. They haven't coached college football for 12 years, you know. So for anybody just to dismiss it like it doesn't mean anything is, is, is kind of ludicrous, and you're doing yourself a disservice. But you fast forward, so – you know, college teams are going to miss on half of their guys, so they have no right to be talking trash about recruiting rankings. But fast forward to the NFL. The NFL gets recruiting ranking stuff. They get footage from high school. They can talk to parents. They can talk to high school coaches. They can talk to college coaches now about the recruits. They have their own scouts to go out and see them in person, evaluate them, all kinds of notes. They have doctors poking, prodding, psychologists, psychiatrist they're taking you know exams they have all this film from high school college all this production senior bowls nfl combines more access more information than anybody out there and they still they still are going to pass up on guys like patrick mahomes (laughs) to draft michael trebinsky or they're going to draft Jamarcus Russell, number one overall. Are they going to let Tom Brady slide all the way to, what was he, seventh, sixth round, something like that? I mean, that's pretty terrible, if you ask me. 
The NFL has more access than anybody, and they still screw up dramatically. So Jordan Love, quarterback at Utah State. This is from the Sporting News, by the way. Every first-round wide receiver, C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma, Jerry Judy out of Alabama, Henry Ruggs out of Alabama, Justin Jefferson out of LSU, T. Higgins out of Clemson, and Jalen Rager out of, of TCU. All wide receivers projected to go in the first round, all a strong chance of busting. And that's just based on what we've seen in the past. Of the 13 wide receivers across the AFC and NFC Pro Bowl rosters last year, for example, only four, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Amari Cooper, entered as first-round picks. That's not a good percentage. Mikai Becton, offensive tackle out of Louisville. Jacob Eason, quarterback out of Washington, who was beat out, technically beat out. I mean, he won the starting job and then was coming into his sophomore year prepared to start and then – Jake Fromm came in and played so well that they ended up bumping Jacob Eason. He transferred to Washington. So, But he's on there. Tua Tungabailoa, I think for obvious reasons with, you know, the injury, probably a big reason for that. Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. Justin Herbert out of Oregon, which I like Herbert. So those are the projected bust in the NFL draft. And odds are half of them will. Or better. What else we got to talk about before we get into questions? We're going to get into your questions here a little bit. Oh, this is interesting. Um, Mark Whitehead has resigned as the SEC coordinator of men's basketball officials. He has resigned. So that means that Arkansas, or excuse me, the SEC will have a new coordinator of officials for 2020 for both basketball and football now. So two new coordinators of officials for the two biggest sports. Definitely notable. Dallas Cowboys looks like they're targeting quarterbacks for the NFL draft. For those Cowboy fans out there, Jerry Jones followers. Missouri plans to resume in-person instruction in the fall, which is a good sign for football. Doesn't make you a bad person, as I said. Obviously, we're dealing with a lot of problems with this society. People are dying. It doesn't make you a bad person to pray for football to return and some normalcy and the economy to come back. Doesn't make you a bad person. All right, everybody. We have gone, holy smokes, we've gone 42 minutes. That's what I said I was going to do. But I'm going to answer your questions because I said I would. Take a sip of my bubbly. 42 minutes talking nonstop without a break, a cutaway, or a drink of water. The power of the quarantine stash. Rusty Hostetler says, good name, Hostetler. Any relation to the quarterback for the Giants back in the 90s? Where else did he go? He went to the Raiders. After that, went in a Super Bowl. What can we expect from quarterback Franks, Felipe Franks, this season? Well, I think he's got more experience than the other two quarterbacks in terms of SEC, Power 5 type of play uh, that they had last year. He was off to a really strong start last season also. But I, I point back to, you know, they haven't even practiced in person. So I think that's going to hamper the offense. I think it'll hamper all offenses across college football, especially ones with new head coaches and new coordinators. 
So I would expect him to be more productive than last year. And the offense in general, I think it's going to be take a big step up. So I think he'll go wire to wire as the starting quarterback. Got a lot of hellos from North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Tampa. Does anybody does anybody know if if TQ is still transferring? Says William Anglin. I would assume yes for now. I mean, there's still a possibility. I guess he hasn't announced that he's transferring anywhere else. I've heard that he does want to come back. It may be a matter of you enter the transfer portal, so you, that's what you did. I don't know, but. He isn't – I mean, he isn't listed – he wasn't listed to go through spring drills. Rich Staggs from California, Apple Valley. Terry Roy says, this past, coach, this past coaching staff ruined this draft class. These players will rise from the ashes and be productive pro players. Some people will be surprised because they are great athletes. It's possible it doesn't help you be on a four-win team over two years. It's a good point, Terry. Will Lennox, next big-time football commit and – I have to get player. I don't know that there, I'd say there's anybody just like this guy is the guy to watch. You know, we'll have Danny on probably Monday and we can discuss that in depth. Will, I'll try to make a mental note. Dennis Larry says, do we have the personnel for the new defense? Depends on what the new defense is. I mean, we were talking with Grant Morgan and Jalen Catalan and they seem to indicate that it's going to be a 3-3, a 3-2-6. Barry Odom you know, goes more towards, I grew up, you know, using an odd front, or excuse me, an even front, so a 4-2-5, a 4-3. I, th- I still think that there's a chance they run like a 3-2-6 a large amount just based on what offenses are trying to do these days. And if that's the case, they're probably deepest in terms of what they've done in recruiting. I think there are five or six four-star defensive backs on the roster now. But what they've done in recruiting, it probably makes sense to get as much as many safeties on the field as possible. Even if that means, you know, shifting things around where Monteric moves to safety. I don't know that that's going to happen, but he has played safety before. So I think that probably, you know, that might be their best look. Randall Files from Wisconsin. Appreciate you, Randall. Keegan. Ryan Gomer says, what do you think about K.J. Jefferson? Do you think he will get any playing time this year or even start? I don't think he'll end up starting. I think that you could see packages for him. He is a very physical runner, maybe some short yardage type stuff. But, I mean, Felipe is a good runner, but I think K.J. is a better runner. thing with K.J. is he's got to continue to get more accurate. He shows very good velocity, but every once in a while one will just sail completely out of nowhere. And, again, that's been a while, but he has been reworking his throwing motion. He had a little bit of a hitch in his throwing motion, especially in high school, just bring the ball straight up, almost like a, you know, kind of a shot put Danny Warfel style. And you got to get that whipping motion, bring the ball parallel to the ground. There are some players, especially baseball guys, that want to dip it round that, down there, and that's this is more of a, a wasted motion. But you want it about parallel, you know, and then you get that that whipping motion, and K.J. would kind of just bring it up like that. But now that he's got the whipping motion, you see a extreme amount of velocity on that ball. Ty Story had it too. Ty Story's was worse. I mean, Ty was just kind of like really like just kind of shot putting the ball. And he got a little bit better at it too. 
Arkansas will be a lot better than people think this season. It's possible, Justin. Again, I think that coaching played a dramatic role in them sucking. Almost cussed. Isaac Riley says, I'm tired of Arkansas being a laughingstock in football. Me too. I'm tired of covering a laughingstock. <laughs> I've always been impressed with Van Horn. Musselman did an awesome job so far this year. I'm hopeful our football program steps up. Let me ask you this, though, too. Did Arkansas change coaches at the right time? I mean, if you think about it, say this pandemic happens and Mike Anderson and Chad Morris are still coaches. I don't know if you're, you know, you're talking about revenue that you might lose and stuff like that. I don't know if you're apt is apt to fire, especially Mike Anderson, definitely more apt to fire Chad Morris, but it's still just two years. And maybe you're thinking, well, just one more year, get through this pandemic, see where things happen. And I think there are probably a lot of other schools, you know, that are looking at a situation like that, like, is Auburn, say Gus Malzahn. I think Gus Malzahn, before the pandemic, Gus Malzahn needed to probably win his division to not have people storming the gates on him. So say he doesn't do that this year and they still have, you know, he does you know just enough to get by, maybe beats Georgia or Alabama at the end of the year or something like that. I, you know, I, I think they'd probably be less apt to let him go. And I think they will see that probably across college football next year. So Arkansas, in, in a lot of ways, to me, made changes probably at the best time where we still have some hope and, you know, we can look to the future a little more where other schools may not have that. Isaac Riley says, I'm, uh, I think I read that, Rich Stack sounds like you're getting worked up. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have the face for it. I always look a little bit madder than I maybe am. What is Pittman's recruiting class ranked? They're not very high. It's like in the 40s right now. I mean, they don't have – none of the guys that are ranked are four-star recruits. There's a couple that are, you know, very well regarded. But they only have four commitments right now, so not dramatically high. Jason Downing says, stash is getting epic. Thank you. I can grow a mustache now. I mean, I can put a Tom Selleck type of mustache out there. What is a realistic win-loss record for the upcoming season? As I said, ESPN had it at five to seven. If I'm predicting right now, I'd probably say five. I don't think I, I. I do think that they will win an SEC game and maybe two. So I would say five, right now. I would have loved to have seen a spring, and I could have come up with a better projection. I've been predicting that pretty much for a while. I mean, Chad Morris's first year, I said five wins, and everybody laughed at me like I was crazy. And I ended up overshooting it by three. But I think I, I don't remember many media people, local media people, predicting Arkansas not to go to a bowl game Chad Morris's first year. And the next year, I predicted six, thinking surely, surely they'll be a little bit better. But, man, those players did just not buy in. They just did not – they just didn't seem to care for their coaches, their defensive coordinator, their head coach. They just didn't seem to – to give a rat's about them. I get a different vibe about Pittman, and that's so important. And this seems so cliche, and I know people got tired of it, hearing it from Houston Nutt, but they don't care what you know. Let me say it in Houston Nutt voice. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's very true. you got to have people that are willing to fight for you, whether it's a coach or a quarterback or whatever. They got to be wanting to fight for you. Mizzou is more of a rivalry game now than it's ever been. Yeah, as they bit him four years in a row and got a lot of Missouri former coaches. I agree. 
Mike Posey says, I think Sam and staff will make watching Razorbacks fun again. Hope so. Has the Purdue transfer committed anywhere yet? He cut Arkansas. Harms, he cut Arkansas on his last list. And that may have been Arkansas cutting him. You know, maybe they didn't need to go that direction. Rocky Carter says BYU. I'm not sure why you said BYU, Rocky. They play BYU. Is it next year? Not this coming season, but the next season, I think. Jeremy Garcia says seven, eight wins is laughable. Not going to happen. I think you're probably right. Definitely not eight. Seven is the absolute season. Like, you can't believe how lucky Arkansas got. That's that's seven wins. You can't believe how things fell. Um, five wins, I think, is probably a little safer. Did you notice Arkansas six overall in the rankings in baseball and fourth in the SEC? Pam Lindbergh. Hello, Pam. Keegan Ryan Gomer says, what do you think KJ will – what do you think of KJ? Will we see him this year? I think I answered that a second ago. Don Dunn says, how are football ticket sales going? I have no idea, Don. Donnie A. Butt says, Marino is one of the best quarterbacks ever. I think he's a little overrated. He's he's good. I'm guessing that stems from last year, last time's conversation. Next, uh, next on Boyd and Burks, who is the best offensive weapon we have? I think – Burks has the highest ceiling. Boyd, potentially because he's a running back, he's going to touch more. But I want to see, I want to see Burks lined up all over the field, even tight end in the slot, split wide. I want to see Burks lined up at running back. I want to see him on jet sweeps, end rounds, wildcat, punt return, kick return. I want 15 touches a game, not 15 targets or anything like that. 15 times at least for him to touch the ball. I mean, Burks and Knox probably need 20 targets a game. I'm not sure what you're replying to, Tristan Haynes, Franks or Knox, the Arizona State transfer running back expects to do well also. Yeah, we've heard a lot of good things about Traylon Smith. Uh, I know I talked to the Arizona State guy when he transferred and said the staff loved him. It was just, you know, he was going to be suspended. He just he needed a fresh start. So, you know, why he ended up ultimately leaving. But um, we've heard some good things about Traylon Smith, and hopefully he provides a nice compliment to Rakeem Boyd. Joshua Shiver says, Trey, do you th- what do you think is the best offensive weapon? I just answered that, yeah. But, yeah, that's what I think. Terry Roy says – if they can get the two five-star sophomore DBs from Beaumont, that will help them. Yes. <laughs> the sky's blue, Terry. Tristan Haynes says Purdue transfer committed BYU. Oh, that's what you're talking about, BYU. Okay, yeah, got you. Will Lennox says next year's basketball lineup. That's a good question we can end it on. Let's bring up the roster real quick. Sports basketball roster. Actually, it's going to be last year's roster. But, obviously, if Isaiah Joe comes back, he's starting, okay? I think Connor Vanover starts. So, those two, Vance Jackson starts, Jalen Tate starts, and the next spot, I'm going to go with Moses Moody. Uh, So, I think that will probably be your starting five. And then I think you'll see – I think you'll see of the guys returning, Abiyami Iola – 
I think he could possibly play Reggie Chaney, Ethan Henderson. Those guys probably battling for time. Okay, not all those guys are just going to split even time. It's you know probably one of those guys emerging over the others. Um, Jalen Williams possibly in that mix too, of battling for that you know extra spot. Uh, Jay, uh, uh, Desi Sills will play. KK Robinson possibly, and I don't, I don't, I don't. De- uh, Devo could possibly play also. I mean, but again, I think you're probably going to have eight players that are getting the majority of the minutes. Five starters, two key backups. And maybe another guy that they're they're looking for. Maybe they find it out of that group of players, you know, probably the bigger guys. So that's kind of where I think things are going. I want to remind everybody, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Always streaming on Facebook Live. Follow us right now if you haven't done so already. We need that follow. We have almost 80,000. We're just a few shy. So follow the page. Throw us a thumbs up if you like the content. If you haven't done so already, we really appreciate that. And then also on YouTube where you can subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell to notify you anytime we upload new videos. Throw us a thumbs up there if you haven't done so already, if you like the content. If you don't, don't bother. But if you do, we'd really appreciate that. Same deal on Apple Podcasts. Love that five-star review from you. So anybody searching for Arkansas Razorbacks sees Hog Sports Live pop up and available anywhere else you find your favorite podcast. Hog Sports is 50% off right now. So sign up at hawgsports.com. There's no promo code or anything needed. Just sign up and you will get the site. And sign up for the newsletter if you like free content. We will send you free content to your email inbox um, every morning with the latest Razorback news uh, for free. And we might include a few, you know, VIP things, but the majority of it, 90%, is going to be free content as well. We send it when, anytime, anytime there's breaking news. So it's as simple as going, entering your email address and clicking sign up and then hitting the activation email and you'll, you're signed up. You can cancel at any time, but you're not going to want to. You're going to like what you get. All right, everybody. I appreciate you for joining me. Appreciate the questions. Be interesting to see. I guess next time we're on, we'll be talking about hopefully four Razorbacks. I think those are the only four that have a chance. Hopefully we'll be talking about four Razorbacks getting drafted into the NFL draft and a lot of guys signing free agent deals. Maybe some more information coming along about reopening things for college athletics, pro sports also. Things are starting to open up. There's some encouraging things. Not you got to stay cautious. And there's all kinds of talk about a second wave and stuff. But uh, there's been some encouraging things, I think, and also looking to Europe. So hopefully we're talking about more of that stuff opening up. I think we're 44 days into a sports shutdown, which I'm starting to feel it. All right, everybody, appreciate you joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.